Yo, my name is Mackin and I'm here to say it's the greatest goddamn podcast in the US of A. And I'm really good at rapping and everybody knows it. If you're gonna fight me, you're gonna blow it. I'm gonna beat you up and I'm gonna punch your face. And then I'm gonna challenge you to a foot race. And I'll beat you with that too, just to prove you wrong. And then I'm gonna sing myself a little song. Go la, 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 la. It's all about the wordplay. <laughs> and then I'm gonna sing wordplay. By Jason Mraz, almost. I don't think that was quite the melody. But ladies and gentlemen, that is neither here nor is it there. Welcome to Happy Sad Talk Thing. Um, how we doing, you guys? Um, I'm feeling all right. I'm feeling all right these days. Post-graduation um, was definitely kind of floundering in my heart for a sec. And uh, was kind of retreating inwards for... A moment, as I talked about last week, <clears throat> and uh, I'm feeling less so that way this week, and ultimately this will pass as that feeling did pass, as they are all impersonal and impermanent, but it is certainly nice to know that when you're feeling sad, you don't have to be sad forever, and every time I forget. Anyways, um, uh, freaking president sucks, that's a big, big true thing. Um, it was interesting. I was talking to someone the other day who was like shocked by it. And I don't know if it's my sort of bubble that, wow, <clears throat> sort of the events of families being separated at the border is incredibly shocking to me. It's like, there's also a lot of shocking stuff. Like the whole, this whole time has been very shocking and exhausting. Um, but I think, I guess for, uh, some people it was just like, it, it, it was it infiltrated a different sort of uh, level that wasn't there before. But it's crazy, man. It's hard to keep thinking and, and uh, feeling all this stuff and talking about it um, because there's new stuff to think about and process all the time. But we have to. Um, but you wonder sometimes, like, what more can be said? You know, what more can be done? Um, a lot more, obviously. Um, but anyways, um, I don't know. You just hear thoughtful people make really interesting points and all all of the, you know, fucking op-eds are out there and all of the think pieces are out there and we're still in this weird, weird situation. Um, yeah. Anyways, so, uh, Trump is exhausting. Uh, hot take. Um, anyways, uh, how else we doing, guys? Um, Recently hung out with a person that I kind of totally have a crush on, but I don't know how she feels about me. But also, she's just very cool, and I don't know why I've now started to talk in this voice. <laughs> but um, it's, it's always flattering to hang out with someone that you think is cool, and uh, it's always nice, you know, to spend time. But then in your head you're like, but what if... Anyways, guys, I'm going to play it safe. Not really feeling bold in that way. Um, I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable. And, uh, you know, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, hello, friendships. That's cool, too. Um, Yeah, man. Keep on keeping on. I got a wonderful episode here with uh, the lovely uh, Austin Smith. Um, who, uh, we had a great conversation. He is known, uh, for his artist project, Failure. Um, so this is a really cool conversation. He, he sort of, uh, 
enlightens me as to a lot of cool um, activism groups and uh, different causes and organizations going on. And we just talk about, uh, I feel like we talk about politics for a sec in this episode. And we talk about uh, thoughts and feelings like we always do, friends. Um, Go check his music out. Um, You'll hear some at the end of this episode. Um, Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, the Nova Darlings have a show. Come check out the Nova Darlings. We're going to be playing a show uh, June 27th at 8 p.m. at Hotel Cafe. And uh, the ticket link is available on our website, uh, thenovadarlings.com, or the Hotel Cafe, their website, too. Or if you go to our Instagram, I'm sure you can uh, find a way to do it if you want to come see us. Um, Larry will not be there, unfortunately. Um, He is out of town but he will return and uh, rejoin us soon enough. So our sweet friend R.C. Russell is going to be playing guitar. Um, But yeah, our record is actually out now for uh, Patreon subscribers. If If you're thinking to yourself, what is that? How come I'm not one? You can become one. Go to patreon.com that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash the nova darlings and for three bucks a month you can get the record right now as well as something rad every single week whether it's uh, behind the scenes cool stuff um, interviews more conversations lyrics uh, stems from our uh tracks and things like that and just uh something cool there's there's more information there if you guys want to learn more about it um but basically if you're craving more nova darling stuff this is the thing for you um much love you guys here's the episode with austin smith i hope you dig it I can hear you in only one ear because these headphones are broken. Are those headphones broken? Head- no, they're not broken. Dude, we're we off and the running. full spectrum. Oh, man, we're already rolling, too. Dude, <laughs> what's going on? Uh, not too much, man. It's a Tuesday afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. What's on That's your mind these days? Much, I just finished... Um, my life like just restarted because I was working on a Whoa. jail reform campaign. You were telling me about this. Yeah. What is? What was your involvement in this? Yeah, so and basically, was I'll just give you my whole spiel. Give me the so, spiel, man. Long story short is um, L.A. County, for a long time, has had a plan to build two new jails, a men's and women's jail, and I think that's a really dumb idea for a lot of reasons. And there's an organization called Justice L.A., which is a coalition of a lot of different community organizations like yeah. Black Lives Matter, ACLU, um, lots of different people in that, and they've been working to stop that for like years. Yeah, and they've been Wait, trying Bla- to. Those those organizations are a part or a subset of Justice. So Justice LA is a coalition. Okay, it's not like an organ itself, and it includes like forty different. Okay, like Black Lives Matter LA, ACLU, okay. um, Dignity and Power Now, and then the organization I was working with, which is called White People for Black Lives. Yeah, whole thing. Um, so I'd they, love to hear more about that. Too. Yeah, I can tell you all about that. There's just like yeah, yeah, a whole world. Um, so they have been trying to stop this for years and they were originally Mm -hmm. working 
trying to work with the board of supervisors to stop it, but that was a dead end. Um, right. Whose idea was it to make these jails? The board of supervisors basically appropriated the money. I, I don't know. I'm, board and of again, supervisors like, of, of Los, Los Angeles, Angeles County. That's a yeah. There's a board of supervisors. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, and they decided that a good way to spend three and a half billion dollars is to spend it on jails, right? And that money Two has jails? not been approved wow. by voters. It's this whole thing. Whoa. Three and a half billion with a B, right? So I mean, like, yeah, tons of money. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, it is pretty crazy when you really think about it, and. Um, so, and again, I should, I should preface all of this by saying I'm not an expert on this issue. I, no. I joined this campaign like six weeks ago and I'm a volunteer, so I'm not like yeah. super, I'm not an expert, but just speaking from my own experience. Of it. Right. Um, basically, they were trying to work with the board of supervisors and that was a dead end. And so they were advised to pursue policy. And so with this campaign that I joined into. Sorry, I'm sorry. My phone fucking made a noise and uh, I want to turn it off. Terrible phone. I'm so goddamn no, being very rude. I feel like that's like atmosphere, you know? Ah. It went somewhere. I don't know where it went. I can call you if you want. Oh, God. This is <laughs> not killing it, ladies Wow, Mackin, so unprofessional with this podcast. All right, we'll just leave it. Okay. I trust Fucking, your judgment. I don't know where the hell it is. Do you want me to call it? Uh, yeah. I don't actually have your number, so that was just my cutty way of oh! your number. <laughs> Making friends. Trying I was thinking about that when we were messaging. To I know you were always somebody that like. I was like what? Why are we not? I know. I always wished I was better friends with you in school, but I like didn't realize that until the very end, and then I was gone. Oh, it's literally two seconds are. in front of my face. Boom. Yeah. Well, now we have each other's numbers. So. How long were we in school together? I don't think super what, long. You just graduated, right? Yeah. So two years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, likewise. Well, here we are. Well, you we know. can be friends right now. Oh my God! Amazing. Amazing. Surprisingly, life doesn't end after you graduate. That's something that you kind of think is going to happen, but it just keeps going. Yeah. For a long time after. I want to hear about so many Anyways. things, and I'm so sorry that my <laughs> no, phone you're good, dude. <laughs> did that error that I didn't. Anyways, wow. <laughs> here we are. You were talking so smart and um, so good about so many. No, things. it's it's just I honestly <laughs> I only it's only that I've said this literally like hundreds of times at this point because right. I made so many phone calls. But yeah, so. Just, Justice LA, working with the Board of Supervisors, that was a dead end. They were advised to pursue policy. And that's the campaign that I jumped in on. Basically, they worked with um, some people on the Sheriff's Civilian Oversight Commission, which I'll touch on in a sec, to, to draft this this voter initiative, essentially. Right. Um, and what it does, it's not a, you know, you, you got to do the first steps before you can get to the goal. So it's, it's, it's a first step to stopping the jails. And basically what it does is um, if it gets on the ballot this November, it's what we're hoping for, it will, mm. if it gets passed, it will commission a study to look at alternatives to incarceration, meaning like if some of that money were spent on, you know, reinvested in the community in the form of mental health care services, right. things like that. Mm. What does that do to the incarcerated population? Right. Um, and then, because another fun fact, LA County Jail is actually the nation's largest mental health institution. Whoa. Yeah, crazy. Um, so it does that. So that's like ideally a first step to stopping. Um, what do you mean when you say that? You mean I people mean, with mental health issues in terms are thrown of, in jail? What, yes. So in terms of mental health care services being provided by some institution to people, right. LA County Jail is the largest by volume doing that. Okay. Is it country. because there's a lot of people in jail that need that are yeah. Treatment? It's because there okay. are, there is no real mental health care infrastructure. Okay. Um and so what happens to people who are sort of chronically mentally ill um and can't function in in sort of There's nowhere else for them. There's nowhere to, to well they're on the streets and so they right. get picked up and it's this cycle where they get 
thrown in jail, but I mean, like they right. often didn't commit a crime or whatever. Yeah. So they just get cycled in and out of jail, and there's a They're lot probably of really no tools to. Yeah, and there's no there's no like long term care, and yeah. you know, jail is a, it's it's punitive, right? It's it's criminal mm-hmm. justice. It's punishment based, and so it's just uh, there's no there's no healing or anything that goes on. It's just right. like they're picked up from the street where they're not doing well and then put in this like often very violent and abusive um jail environment and then yeah you know they with can't no with no way to pick yeah. themselves up yeah exactly mm. and, and no long-term care right so it's like yeah shit really shitty thing that continues to happen and, th- and that's true for for unhoused people as well it's true for a mm. lot of different populations so anyways it does that so commissions that study which ideally is a first step to redistributing that money um, and then the other thing it does is it gives sheriffs it gives the power to subpoena evidence to the sheriff's civilian oversight commission because um, that is a body of five civilians, and ostensibly they're an accountability body to the sheriff's department, but they're basically powerless because if they say we think that there was an abuse of an inmate, uh, trigger warning, sexual assault, we think you know an inmate was raped, where there's plenty of documented cases of that and an abuse by by sheriff's deputies, we need to look at this video or we need to see this document to verify if this happened. The right. sheriff's department basically just says like, ha ha, no. <laughs> oh. So they have no real le- recourse unless they already have a case, which is very difficult to build if you can't get the evidence to begin with. Um, and so if this passes in November, then they'll get the power to subpoena evidence, which would be really dope. Mm. Uh, uh, the example that has been really providing more protection for victims of sexual assault within. Yeah. Or just any abuse. I mean like the, the jails. And again, like, you know, I, I, will preface i'm not speaking for justice la coalition no, i'm just yeah. a dude right right now um, well, but right. you know the well-informed dude. yeah well i just you know i've been saying all this like 20 times a day for like six weeks yeah um so i've just my all of my statements come from me only i'm the only one taking responsibility yeah in any case to me like the jail system is an, an incredibly um violent and needlessly cruel uh way to to deal with people and yeah, wait, I was going to say something beforehand, but I totally lost my train of thought. What were you just talking about? Oh, we were talking about... Oh, right. So abuse, abuse. some of it is sexual assault or whatever, but there are many different ways that abuse happens. The example that's really salient for me right now is mm. um, a woman named Waukesha Wilson is a black woman who died in uh, custody of the sheriff. And there are about 22 minutes of her life, the last 22 minutes, that are missing sort of unaccounted for, right? Um, and this Whoa. this has been a big thing for years. She died several years ago, and her mother has been fighting to find out what happened to her for years. Um, and yeah. the, sh- the sheriff's department's story is that she hanged herself, but I don't believe that, mm. and it makes no sense because she was fine before she got picked up. And, you know, if this passes, we might actually find out because they might be able to subpoena, ev- assuming the evidence isn't destroyed. Right. They might be able to subpoena that, which would be... Wait, she was an inmate or she was just... Yeah, well, she okay. got picked up. And and so, like, one thing that I didn't actually know before this campaign, the difference between jails and prisons. Um, prisons are where people go when they're convicted of a crime, right? right? So if you are if you have a trial and you're convicted, you go to prison. Right. Jail is just where you go if you get arrested. Right. And so that's before any trial, before any, any plea deal. It's just, like, you get picked up on the street and you get put in jail, right? right? And most of the people in jail are not and will never be... Con- well, by definition, they are not convicted of crime and... And most of them will never be convicted of a crime, right? So that's mm-hmm. why one of the reasons it's so um, obviously cruel to me. So yeah, so basically, Waukesha, I don't remember what she got picked. Up. It was a traffic stop or something. Mm-hmm. It was very dumb. It was it was like it's yeah, really. I don't know all the context, right? Of that, but right, yeah. But they have detailed records of her life up until or like 
they have documentation or footage? Uh, I, I, or? Again, I don't. I mean, I don't know what the documentation looks right. like. Their their story is that she hanged herself, and there's no way to verify that right now, right? Um, because we don't have the evidence, but we might find out. It should be sick. Yeah. It's How did you get involved? Yeah. In so <laughs> this is a long journey. No, basically, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. It's so righteous. I mean, I mean, I you know, this has always been something important to me, and I just learned more and more. And I and I started this. Um, just through a general interest in, in anti-racist work. Um, and I found out about this organization, White People for Black Lives, which is yeah. part of um, AWARE LA, which stands for Alliance of White Anti-Racists Everywhere, yeah. um, which is the Los Angeles affiliate of an organization called Surge, which means showing up for racial justice, right? And uh, a lot of people, rightfully, um, their hair stands up when they hear all the word white people, right? Right, yeah. White people organizing white people, what is that? Right, and that's good. We should be nervous about that. That's like very suspect, right? Of course. But I'll I'll say, so the reasoning for, there are a lot of different reasons for it, right? But it comes out of, I mean, like you can can trace histories, you can trace a history throughout, um, you know, the current iteration of this is is generally termed the movement for black lives. uh, But then before that, you know, the civil rights movement, Malcolm X made calls to white people to organize other white people, right? It's like uh-huh. do the work within white communities. Don't don't just like come out and try and like work with people of color, try and organize the people the rest of the, all your mm-hmm. family and shit, right? Right. With privilege to spare. To right, exactly, change. because the idea being people of that sh- that burden should not fall on people of color, right? That right. should be our, our burden to, yeah, to, totally. to carry. And so um that's part of the rationale. There's a lot of it. Um, yeah. How did you become aware of this organization? Yeah, so I actually found out through um, a person that I don't, I almost don't know at all, but their name is Walela, and they, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, so I apologize if, if I'm not, but but uh, they're basically just a super badass activist that I just like respect a lot and have seen. Um, basically, I saw them read a poem once uh, mm-hmm. at like a, at a scum thing, at like a scum open mic, and was like, you're so good. What's and a then, scum? What's a scum Scum thing? mansion? Do you remember that? That I was before your time. Okay. My senior yes. year, I lived in a house up that way. These are my old stomping grounds. My senior yeah. year, I lived in a house um, with like Skylar Garn and David Fulmer and uh, and Gene Frazier. Do you know these people? I know Skylar. Yeah, yeah. So so that house in the house was was colloquially known as Scum Mansion. Okay, cool. They picked the name before I And so before you I saw this in. person read a poem? Yeah, we had like open mics and shit. Oh, right? cool. So they read a poem. And I watched that and was like sick. And then I followed them on social media. And then at one point I just like reached out and was like, hey, I, I really want to get involved with stuff. And they were very kind to me and, and pointed me in the direction of white people for black lives. Right. Because that is um, a solidarity partner to Black Lives Matter LA. Right. And so like I again. Endorsed by Black Lives Matter LA? Second. Endorsed by Black Lives Matter? They do a lot of work together. Okay, basically. Cool. So they're I mean, like friend. Black yeah, Lives Matter is like this is good. Yeah, there's like a lot of as I under, you know, and again, I'm I'm not an expert, but in my experience right. with with the organization, there is a deep accountability structure. I mean, like um, one of the founders of Black Lives Matter is named Patrice Colors, and Jason mm-hmm. David is is one of the co-founders of Aware, um, and they're like personal friends. So there yeah. is a lot of like collaboration that goes cool. on between those two organizations. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. They're not and working in isolation. Or... No, they're not. And there have been cool. um, there have been critiques published of sort of the. You could refer to Aware as a white affinity organizing group is kind of one name for it. Yeah, and there have been critiques published of those kinds of groups, which uh, are valid. And again, it's you know, it's what, right. Like, what it would be like what. I think there are, you know, Surge is a national, and again, I, I don't want to say things that I don't know a ton about, so right. I am I say all of this 
No, and I appreciate you experience. enlightening me. With yeah, no, your experience. Hey, yeah, yeah. Hey, and again, I'm just like trying to figure out how to do shit. Um, yeah, but I, but I think with some of these kinds of groups, there's not that kind of accountability structure, and, okay. and you can't just have a bunch of white people doing stuff that they think is like the right thing to do because a lot of times right. it's like deeply wrong and harmful. Yeah. Um, so there are critiques that are mostly along the critiques I've read have been along those lines of like there if there's no direct accountability to organizations of color then then it's like what are you doing right um but in my experience that has not been the case with white people for black lives it seems okay. like they do a lot of really good work um cool and, and very much in concert with blm and other orgs anyways so i got through it basically just by reaching out to somebody and, and they yeah. were really kind and pointed me out that are that direction and then i like went to my first aware meeting in like all the way back in like january of last year okay and then i left the country and then you went to Uruguay. Yeah, I went to Uruguay. Yeah, yeah. I want to hear about that. I w- yeah, I want to tell you about it. Um, oh, I'm excited. So I went there and then came back to LA and was kind of floating around for a while. Right. And like, I felt really like weird about it because all I would do was. What was the meeting like um, when you went? It was great. I mean, they do. They have two. So, um, there are kind of two. Aware LA is like the surge affiliate technically mm-hmm. and then white people for black lives is kind of like the sibling arm and white people for black lives is specifically an activist group right? okay they exist mostly to do activist stuff right um whereas aware la is more about one of the big things they do is called saturday dialogue which is a meeting about it's like a a monthly it's great uh, it's a monthly space where people get together and it's all about sort of just like discussing and uncovering um what it means to be white in the world we live in and, and to be a white anti-racist in the world we live in and sort of like learning more about, you know, intersecting um, systems of oppression and how we exist in those and what kind of privileges we carry. So it's very mm-hmm. much about, about um, one of the things they talk about is uh, there are four levels at which racism operates. Um, okay. There's intrapersonal, which is like within oneself, right? Internalized racism, right? And you can make this. You could say the same thing to a certain extent for for whatever kind of oppression you want to pick. Intrapersonal, interpersonal, right? right? Like what we a more accurate term would be prejudice, right? Is, right. is like pe- beliefs that people hold either consciously or subconsciously about other races. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't. There are two more, and it's I think it's institutional. So like right. an institution, and then systemic is like the whole. And I'm I'm not gonna we could go off the deep end with all this stuff, but um not off the deep end, but it's goes deep, I guess. Right. So Saturday dialogue is largely about doing internal work and, okay. and sort of understanding conversations. Yeah, and for like individuals you know, to everybody joins everybody you know, it, it's I don't think I think it's flawed to look at this as sort of a linear progression of as you learn about this stuff, it's not linear. Um but you know, all of us have more learning to do and so it's sort of a space right. where you can do that learning without needing to lean on people of color to teach you these yeah things, right yeah. yeah so that's like a big and people get really nervous about that which they should right again but that's that's the rationale is like we can't just like mm-hmm. take our ignorance to to people who are already oppressed by the system right yeah it's not their job to and uh yeah exactly enlighten us that's really cool man and so what how did the how did the jail campaign so um I had a sit down with Jason David because I was feeling really bad because all I was doing was like going to the meetings. And what what are, what are the are, are the, these are the conversational awareness meetings? Yeah, pretty much. I would just go to those. Which is great. Yeah, which is you know good. But but I you just had felt a bent like, for the activism uh, stuff. Yeah, I I felt I I do feel, you know, I wanted to do it. I wanted to do work in it, right? And I didn't want to mm-hmm. just sort of talk about it. Um, and 
Jason is an incredible human being. Uh, and he, I like vomited words at him for an hour and he was like, okay, it sounds like this is what you're saying. And he just sort of pointed me at the campaign and then I just kind of, because you this know, is the guy that started. He's white, one of the yeah, one of the oh, co-founders. Cool. Um, What's it, what how was it called? White people for uh, black lives. The parent organization is called Aware. Okay. Um, and I think the website is awareLA.org. I think it's all one word. But if you okay. if you look up Aware Space LA on Google, you'll find it. Tight. Um, yeah. So he's an awesome, incredible human being. And and so I sat down with him and and sort of like that helped me realize like as with all things in my life, the thing I was doing was signing up for like seven different things. Yeah. thinking yeah i can totally do all this this will be great Classic. and then like the next morning i get like 50 emails and i'm like i'm anxious this makes me anxious i'm gonna right. look at something else um because that's just my behavioral pattern yeah and yeah. so instead i tried to focus on one thing so i was like this campaign sounds dope i've nice. never done like a real organizing organizing campaign before um it's time yeah. bound i feel like i could be good at it or i could help it um and so i sort of dove in and uh yeah then just like took off after that it was wild to what, see. so what kind of work were you doing yeah so basically the we were using an organizing model created by the leadership lab which is a project by um the la lgbtq center um it might just be lgbt center in any case it's a way of organizing where so this campaign was a signature collection campaign right our our goal at the beginning of this was to get 10,000 signatures, right? Because Justice LA, to get this measure on the ballot in November, needed 150,000 signatures by yesterday, actually. Um, okay. And so we thought, we two women actually just, um, their names are Kristen Brock Petrosius and Christina Lear, basically had a conversation in a parking lot where they sort of like said, like, Kristen said, like, you know, I did some math. And I think if we made this many phone calls and got this many people to do this, blah, 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 we could get 10,000 signatures. Do you want to help me do this? And Christina was like, okay. Um, what were these signatures for? For the for getting it. So this is a voter initiative. Okay. The thing I talked about that if it passes. Right. It's a voter initiative. It's called the Reform Jails and Community Reinvestment Initiative. Okay. Um, and voter initiatives are something that California has and a few other states have where it's like if you get enough signatures, you can put something on the ballot. You can go around legislators. Right. Um, so that's what it is, right? Fuck and, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. To get it on the ballot, they needed 150,000 signatures. So right. our, our goal within this little sect of the campaign that White People for Black Lives was sort of like, that was the mobile, the organization that was mobilizing this, Yeah, um, was to, to deliver 10,000 signatures to the larger campaign, mm-hmm. right? And so to do that, basically, we had um, phone banks every Monday night. And in the phone bank, we would make a bunch of calls to people on our, on our yeah. email list and just have a lot of conversations um, about why you know fight why racial justice is important mm. it was a very cool i had some great conversations with yeah people. how would those conversations go i mean how would you start much better than you think yeah um it's so who are the were the people that you call were calling people that expressed interest in this type they of were thing all already? people that put their email down okay at a meeting right sometime either yeah. a white people for black lives meeting or an aware meeting or like a surge mm-hmm. which is the national network so you're not necessarily meeting. talking to trump supporters no no we were not we were calling people who already were like more or calling less people on that our are side. just yeah that would be very very difficult that would be a lot of time that would probably be wasted so we were we were talking to people that had expressed some kind of interest in this right uh-huh. um and it was cool i mean i mean uh, it's hard you know people are very hesitant to open up to you but um once you can sort of get through, because, you know, we all sort of like ostensibly this stuff is all really important to us. It's just we don't connect with it necessarily. We white people don't connect to it um, on a day to day basis. But, right. but if you start to think hard and like think about and, you know, I discovered so much about myself and, and what what it means to me through doing this. I mean, like, mm. you know, I know someone who 
you know, I, b- at the start of this campaign, I would have said like, oh, well, you know, the criminal justice system has never affected me. I know how it's affected a lot of communities that I'm not a, not a part of. And that is motivating enough for me to want to mm-hmm. change it. Um, but then as I, you know, learn, as you do the work, it deepens. And just realizing like, I actually do know a guy who went to jail for a crime he did not commit, prison for a crime he did mm-hmm. not commit and spent many years there. And um, th- this man is uh, one of the most thoughtful caring intelligent just like sweet like remarkable human beings i've like ever met and um you know he was in prison for so long and it really you know it kind of fucked shit up for him in a lot of ways as going to prison will um yeah and uh, you know just realizing like oh wow this shows up in a lot more ways than i think it does Uh um and so if you can get people to connect with that and 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 even and some people even like will be able to Mm -hmm. they already know lots of people have interface with the system in some way or another and so and the obvious connection being um and please help me articulate this if you can uh that the criminal justice system particularly uh targets minorities yeah it's i think it's like i don't know all the statistics off if you want to read this the big book of statistics is the the new jim crow by by uh, i don't remember who wrote that book but the new jim crow is a really good place for people who want to like learn all the i don't have all the facts in the back of my head but i mean like i think it's like I think I think ten percent. I and again, I would need to look this up, but I think it's like ten percent of black males are in prison, something like that. Yeah, one percent of the so ten x the general population. Right. Yeah, I think it's like a third of black males will spend some time in jail or prison at some point in there. It's just way, mm-hmm. way yeah. ridiculous. And, and, and even if these aren't the exact figures, if it's, it's anywhere to the close. Tune, it's right? It's to the. Yeah. It's very clearly um, racially enforced, and you know, there's a lot of there's a lot to this if people right. want to read more the new jim crow is is the the sort of bible of learning about this stuff okay. i would say yeah um, and is that again I'm, i uh, this is just i just need to go read this book um but is it a result of like legislation that is like worded and targeted in insidious ways you know there are different is it? there are different answers and again this is where i'm gonna again really emphasize that i am not an expert right, and yeah. i am not the person that should be talking <laughs> about this really right so like i'm just like a dude well you're fostering <laughs> my curiosity and good i'm glad. pointing to I'm resources glad. yeah and you are very knowledgeable uh, I, I try um, i try i learn more but again yeah, like i'm no expert here so um, no yeah, yeah, yeah but as i understand it right i mean like there are several answers to that question right one answer is um the level of like the laws are applied in racist ways. Um, right. And so that shows up as, you know, increased policing of black and brown communities. Um, yeah. And, you know, a great example, I saw a Ted talk of a woman who talked about, and uh, she worked in schools and there was a fight between two kids in the school um, just like a little, you know, like somebody threw a punch and then they broke it up or whatever. Yeah. And, one of those children was booked by the police officer on campus and sent to, this is somebody in like early high school booked by the police officer on campus and then sent to a juvie detention center. Right. And if that happened at my high school, which was in a very wealthy white area, um, we would have gotten counseling. Right. So like yeah. that something called the prison, the, the school to prison pipeline in right. a lot of um, particularly impoverished black and brown communities. It is sort of like there the, police, I'm trying to think how to say this. Um, the system is is sort of set up in a way that that funnels people, um, black and brown people, into 
the criminal justice system, right? The two great institutions mm-hmm. that that shepherd the growth of our youth in this country right. are higher education, um, usually in the form of college, but also like you know trade schools or whatever, and the criminal justice system. Right. It's like yeah. those are the two places you're probably going to end up of going. Of course, and yeah. that that is that is very much defined along race and class lines. Right. I yeah. think class is also an important part. Class of it is too. also a really important yeah. part of the conversation, and and really you can't. I I think you really can't separate those two things. Right. Like, there's a lot of conversation on the left about like what's more important, and I think that's just a, just like where sh- that shoots you in the foot. You can't. Yeah. Very much intertwined, particularly in the U.S. Right. Right. Um. So, yeah, it's it's all fucked up, man. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's really bad. Well, I, you're certainly a very inspiring person to me. Oh, um, thanks, Mac. <laughs> <laughs> feel so special <laughs> no but i'm not i mean the thing is like i like i no i'm really tell me i'm wrong <laughs> i'm Fuck sorry you, yeah <laughs> sorry i just come into your home i'm I right drink your water <laughs> i i break your your heart-shaped ice cubes and i tell you you're wrong I do have these them. adorable heart-shaped it's ice cubes. true yeah. no the only reason i say that is um because uh i have a hard time accepting compliments and mm-hmm. I, heard, I heard it phrased to me that one way once like when you mm-hmm. deflect somebody's compliment like yeah, that yeah, yeah. you are sort of saying like you don't know what you're talking about no I well I don't <laughs> and I mean like on one no, level no, no 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 like if I say you're cool and then you say I'm not cool oh yeah you're that's saying true. to me I'm incorrect about you're right I technically <laughs> am saying you're wrong I'm calling you wrong yeah it's, I do this all the time <laughs> but I do think that you're an inspirational person and I as as a person with uh, an affinity for this stuff and 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 wanting to sort of learn more so that I'm undoing sort of the uh, damage that I'm potentially doing with harmful ideologies and and so that I can be uh, you know a force for good you know that's good I, yeah I enjoy the way you articulate your thoughts and obviously like the practices and like the level of engagement you have you know like a lot of people are having conversations about how their need things need to be done mm-hmm. and not a lot of people are doing things i'm yeah i'm one of those people yeah you know well and, so, and i mean i i literally just started doing this stuff like yeah. six weeks ago you know well it's 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 great and and no matter um what you're speaking about you speak about with uh such poise and clarity and uh compassion and uh you're very careful in in the way that you articulate your thoughts and I uh, have learned a lot just from reading uh, really your Facebook posts, you know, <laughs> whether you're you. writing about Me Too or, oh, or Black goodness. Lives Matter. Like, I'm a person that likes to just, to borrow a phrase from you, vomit all of mm-hmm. the thoughts, you yeah. know. And when you're speaking about these issues, that's maybe not always the best thing to do. Well, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's, um, I think that it's important not to privilege to because like you know I can use a bunch of big words but um, I, I don't think we should privilege that too much because that is very much like a class based thing in a lot of ways um, and you know it's like as I another I think it is actually really important not to think of it as like this like linear development thing you know what I mean it's like right. we all come to it as ourselves as we can't come to it any other way and it's like yeah. you know I just like am a neurotic person, and so like I'm like constantly <laughs> policing all of my thoughts, thinking about like all the different right. ways they could be interpreted. Yeah, but, but it seems to be constructive, at least from from my perspective. I sur- I I try to make it that, and that's about all I can really say. Yeah, for it. But I'm glad. Thank you. I yeah. appreciate that. No, that's very of course, kind man. Of you to say. Yeah, as a person who's also trying it, it uh, you're. I guess what I say when I when I say the word, like sometimes I. Uh, try to pour a bunch of thoughts about a thing that has really nothing to do with me and then maybe 
things don't need to be said, you know? Yeah, and it's t- I, I don't know. It's sometimes it seems like you can't really just it's hard to know that before, right? I mean, like every yeah. hindsight's 2020, 20, you know. Of course, and obviously part of working out your ideas is is speaking freely and mm-hmm. uh like trying and then being corrected and learning. Yeah. And, like, and that and what you just said is actually so important is like yeah. um you know, I think one of the biggest things that I've learned is just to respond to was talking to my friend about this um how like my approach to to occupying the identity that i do um and for people who don't know me i'm i'm a cis white male um i just assume that i have like really thin blinders on at all times and right. like i'm probably just doing a bunch of stupid shit and so it's like yeah. it is um one of the most important things for me has been learning to um deactivate sort of my defensive response if i get called right. out on something yeah I'm like try and really respond in a way that's like thank you for totally telling that yeah yeah so. and like observing that the defensiveness comes up as it mm-hmm. does yeah right know. as it does for anyway it's, you know and it's like we don't you know white it's very people natural yeah it's, yeah it's the response that we're sort of taught um but yeah it's, it's good. yeah because i think a lot of times um when you sort of see empathic misfires uh when people are, are speaking about sensitive issues like you'll see uh people trying to create like teaching moments or, mm. or trying to correct each other. And then uh, maybe the person that misspoke says like, oh, well, that wasn't my intention. Yeah, you know? right. So yeah. like trying to find a way to be like, oh, well, I w- my intention was to mm-hmm. do this. But it's like, well, that's the, it's not, you know, that's like good. you can mean you know, well. That's well and good, but then don't. The words like, are powerful. Yeah, right. They are. <laughs> yeah. They do affect people, right? Yeah. And, it's like and I've definitely just... put my foot in my mouth a couple of times. Well, and I so... think, you know, we all have. Man. Yeah. <laughs> that's not. Right. But it's an important, I think the thing that you're touching on that is important is just like, you gotta, you gotta think about beyond the intention. Yeah. Know? And also I think like, um, one thing that I think about a lot is, um, like particularly I thought about this with the me too thing. Um, I I think we need to stop, we need to move from having conversations about individuals into having conversations about global patterns of behavior that are, and and this I think is particularly rings true across all things, but, but with sort of like um, gender based, I guess I'll use the word violence or whatever, but, but um, a, a lot of times people talk about it as if there are rapists and then there are the rest you know what I mean? Right. Particularly men talk about it in that way. Yeah. Uh, I'm almost, not a rapist. Right. right so exactly. You know, not how, not all men. Hashtag. my thoughts. Right. Yeah. And, and I think like, um, ultimately that's never gonna get us where we need to go. We need to think about how even, you know, normal dude, number one, um, we all grow up in, um, I, as you know, hetero, hetero patriarchal society. And, and that, you just learn as a man, that means that you learn ways of being and interacting with people, particularly women that, that breed violence and, and right. that might come out in small ways. It might come out in big ways. And obviously yeah. you need to hold, hold people accountable for their actions. But like, yeah. I guess what I'm trying to say is, is, um, you know, it's latent in everybody, no matter how much you learn or how good your intentions or, yeah. or how you speak it, it exists in all of us. You can't live right. without having that. Yeah. And that the importance of looking inwards. And yeah, right. And like the understanding that and... it is a journey. It's like a right. lifelong. Yeah. Like, man, I read the book, The Will to Change last year by what? Bell Hooks. I don't know this book. That book. You Ooh. think about gender, right? I've I seen do. this on your stuff. Yes. My dog. This book. <laughs> My dog. Yeah. First of all, Bell Hooks. 
Thank you, Bill Hooks, for being alive. Um, but this book, um, I laugh at myself because I, all I do is talk about this book. But it's basically, um, it's an application of, of sort of intersectional feminist theory. It's right. just a very thorough application of intersectional feminism to mm. men and masculinity. Right. The subtitle of the book is Men, Masculinity, and Love. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's not a lot of work like that because, you know, for political necessity, the feminist movement has focused on women as it should. Right. But right. Um, that book, uh, really reading it, it elucidated the ways in which I, you know, certainly as a man, I occupy sort of an oppressor identity, but but uh, also the ways in which I personally have been harmed by by this system and way of being right and and just like i've never read a book it's one of the rare experiences i have where i'm like reading something and you heard it here first folks austin (laughs) smith never read a book science dude yeah wow the only really contradicts a lot of the stuff you've been saying (laughs) that's true yeah you know that's pretty embarrassing something people don't know about me i try and actually not say that try one really i actually woke up today yeah Sorry. Maybe I should do that. I'll I'll try and read at least a half when I get yeah, home. Um, I woke up today and said, Austin, go on this podcast, but don't let him know that you've never read Your big a single book. <laughs> <laughs> My big shameful thing that I carry with me through all of college and high school. Yeah, so that's I'm something sorry. new. You were speaking everyone, very eloquently. Well, about you know, that's you know, honestly, thing. I should practice what I preach. I shouldn't get defensive. I've never read a book. <laughs> <laughs> this is a teaching yeah. moment. Yeah, it is a teaching. It's a <laughs> learning moment for me right now. <laughs> okay, 2018 Austin reads books. The, um, the will to change. Yeah, this um, is a book that I have read. Right, uh, so at least one. Um, but but it's one of the experiences where I am reading this book, and you know, Bell Hooks has this way of writing where she doesn't write with any with very much flourish or any. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of writers like write this very beautiful prose, which I really enjoy. But Bell Hooks is just like short declarative sentences. She's just like, yeah. this is how it is. Hank Williams. This is why it's bad. This is how it could be. Why aren't you people listening to me? Um, right, it's just right. like, you're so right. Uh, yeah. But I'm reading this book and she's like explaining things about the way that men are. And I'm just like, whoa, how did you know that? I did not tell you that about yeah. myself. I had not even <laughs> told that to myself. So right. how do you know this? I'm uncomfortable. Mm. But um, yeah, I mean, that, that book, I would describe it as life changing. I mean, like my entire perspective shifted in whoa. a week, Gotta you know, it's book. just like, and then I now it's like I see it everywhere. Mm. Show Breaking Bad, my dog. That show is about masculinity. The entire show. Yeah, it's whoa. crazy. Heck yeah. Yeah, I watched that last for the first time. I watched it with my roommate last year, and I post was, that book. Post that book, and right. it was a great show to watch after that book because it's just like yeah. you look at every. You know, okay. Spoiler alert for anyone. I'm probably gonna drop spoilers, so stop listening, whoever's listening. Um, but you look at that show, and like every single character on that show by the end of the show, gets the opposite of what they want. And the reason they get the opposite is basically because of patriarchy. Right. Every single one. You know what I mean? It's like, and I can like, Walt, Sam, you know, it's like, everyone except, almost except Jesse, but like, I was going to say Jesse. Jesse is the one, but, oh, poor Jesse. So much affection for Jesse and Aaron right. Paul, just as a person. Um, he's great. He's great. Um, but like, you know, Walt gets the opposite of what he wants because he wants to be a big dude. Same with, with Hank. Every, every character. It's wild. Mm. Yeah. Pretty mm. crazy. Pretty crazy. I, um, <clears throat> yeah, it's a fascinating idea that is, wow, this sentence really, uh, cracked You were going me. great there for a second but there. Bleh. Words are good. Um, the patriarchy affects dudes. 
yeah and it's well. and it's it's true and and it's like anytime i always am trying to be careful about this because you know as a cis guy it's like i i can't i as transformative as it has been for me to learn mm-hmm. about the ways in which it affects me I, it's important to ground the conversation in yeah but you know look at the political system and and it's it's really one-sided you know it's still right. really one even though it harms everyone it's still one-sided on sort of a political power oh, of structure. course yeah that's oh, always yeah. my disclaimer right because you don't want to because then you you don't want to you don't want to like, it's like i'm the biggest victim of the yeah right that's right. something that i never yeah. want to like have important people distinction go to. Yeah, yeah right but still but the idea that it's like not restricting yeah and i think you know that's what intersectionality means is it's is it's understanding that like all of these things exist together and and the reality is and that book will you should really read it i think you would actually really enjoy it um it it just really goes through all very specifically the ways in which that it does harm men and yeah you know men are she uses the words uh emotional mutilation a lot Mm. which is just like so so real so real yeah yeah and it's like I can trace behavioral patterns and and like ways of thinking within myself right. that are like so rooted in yeah in patriarchy. It's yeah wild. yeah man, dude. I gotta read this book. Yeah, I think you would really like it. It's important to think about gender. Like I I identify also as a cisgendered dude, you know, mm-hmm. and I also identify as heterosexual, even though like. I think about that stuff all the time. Yeah, and right. I, it's important to turn inwards, you know. Mm-hmm. And they're they're like I definitely feel very female in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like really glad that I'm in touch with that part, and I want to like continue to develop and like respect that part of myself, you yeah. know. Um, and same with like my homosexuality, you know. Even though like at the end of the day, I'm attracted to women, you know. Um, like it's still important. I feel like to allow yourself to. Feel those things and see where you fall you know to me it's like i my personal belief is like ultimately the binary is just a ludicrous concept crazy if you yeah. actually think about it it's yeah, like this totally. is ridiculous yeah i am sure that this has been around for not that long yeah um or at least not more than like a few thousand years um right but well, my, my friend Sarah was taking a Native American studies class and she said there was something like uh, like 20 genders yeah i've heard this i don't know yeah. any of the specifics but i've heard similar similar yeah. things as well um, and so like, obviously there are different ways of going about it. And, and to me, it's like, what that tells me is like, okay, if the binary is ridiculous, then, you know, there is attraction and that right. attraction is policed to a greater or lesser extent by homophobia. In yeah, totally. Right? Yeah, and exactly. So it's just like, I think that's the ultimate yeah. reality of the situation. Totally. And yeah. so it is, it is like a deeply healing practice and, and yeah. important and, uh, and ultimately very joyful, I think, to, yeah. to do the work of sort of like uncovering that and, and yeah. validating it and respecting it for yeah. what it is. And I've had to, um, like, cause I, I'm a, I'm a girlish boy mm-hmm. and uh, I would also, I would also call myself a girlish boy. Yeah. Always have been. Yeah, yeah. same. And I like to wear dresses and, yeah. and things and, and I, uh, had to ask myself a lot of questions of like, okay, like, do I feel like a woman? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Um, And realizing that there's, there's space for that, but, Mm -hmm. but also not realizing like, okay, like I, I still feel like a guy, you know? Yeah. Um, And just trying to figure out like, I guess out of fear of appropriating uh, somebody else's identity of like Mm -hmm. of another uh, community, you know? Yeah. So, um, and the same with homosexuality too. Like I, experimented sexually with a with a guy uh one time and like 
I was like, oh, am I bisexual now? You know? And mm-hmm. then, like, it's wonderful to allow myself to have those types of thoughts or pansexual or whatever. Um, but it's also, like, as I continue the est- investigation into self, not that there's anything... Uh, well, I guess my, my question sort of is, like, or not question, or just moral quandary is, like, okay, I, I be careful, Mac, and not to, like, give yourself... Um, a label even though you have some sort of like non-traditional isms about yourself be careful not to uh, just be like oh well I'm part of this community now yeah I I, um, resonate with that a lot Uh, just I have I've had the same exact hesitations and I was talking to Rosie Tucker about this yeah who's like the, the best just, people the greatest on the planet, person. like one Easily. of my favorite people ever to live. Truth. Um, she's oh god. Uh, so, anyways, I, I was talking to her about this, and and um, just just like I have that same, like I feel very. I think about this stuff a lot, and yeah. you know, but I do through all of it. Again, the blinders thing, right? It's like right. that's just sort of how I try and hold myself. Um, and so it's like I am very worried also about like claiming an identity or right. trying to sort of like claim membership in this club where it's like, no, 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 no. You should not like, yeah, there are problems with you doing it. But then totally. I don't know. I've, I've, she's at Rosie has actually pushed back on me on that. And so like, I wonder, yeah, she's very pro. She's like, she's like queer. It's just like a non-traditional. It's just a word. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and it's like, that is kind of, and like, to me, it's like what I was talking about. The binary is like, ultimately yeah. I think the, not the goal, but I, but I think like one, potential outcome or, or a thing that would be cool is for i mean like everyone is queer and it's just like yeah you it's yeah. just like whatever man uh yeah which we are not there yet for political reasons but but right. it's like that yeah. is like and if that's the case then then i then maybe i'm you know maybe the and certainly it's possible that the hesitation that i feel is actually more of just like a a self-worth thing like a shame yeah thing, you know well for I mean? me it's, it's definitely like I, you're just realizing like okay i i get the way that I walk through the world, I get regarded and I get afforded all the privileges. Yeah, right, 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 right. Exactly, male, exactly. You know? And so you always have to hold that, right? But yeah, 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 yeah. And and I I empathize with feeling that same way, and then and then like uh, worrying that about taking an identity. Right. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, well, I haven't experienced like really any of the oppression. Necessarily, yeah. Right. Yeah. You know? No. I've, um, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> experienced a lot of privileges, not a lot. Of yeah. Time. Exactly. I mean, but besides, like. Uh, I mean, not nearly to the extent, but I mean, I think uh, a lot of girlish boys and just like a lot of dudes are, uh, I mean, like homophobia is like a bummer, you know? It is. Yeah. It's really <laughs> bums me out, man. Internalized and, and externalized. Yeah. And I, I uh, you know, was definitely uh, just always sort of made fun of for not being boyish enough. Yeah. That's you know, in certain super ways. shitty. Which is a bummer, but it happens to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but it's also like, okay, I don't identify as homosexual, but that's but I but I do identify with like it is a bummer that this person is saying that the way I am is wrong. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. That's <laughs> like, like that fucking sucks. It's not a fun experience. Yeah, but no it's like I'm it. also not necessarily like under the same kind of threats uh, of other. Uh, there are certainly like people that are more. Uh, Far more oppressed. Well, there's like the, because what most of what we're talking about is is largely inter, right? Those four levels, intra or interpersonal. Right. And then there's the larger context of like systemic um, oppression, whether sort of like politically or socially or or, um, economically, right? And and that plays out in many ways where it's like, 
I personally have never been on that side of the spectrum. And so it's like, it's important to, in any discussion, I think it's like, and it's related to, like we were talking about sort of like uncovering how, as a man, how we've been harmed by sort of the patriarchal system. Um, And it's like, you do that work and like, that is real, right? Whatever you find there, like I found a lot there and whatever you find there is real. Um, yeah, but also it's also true that it's like you yeah, know, that's shitty. It would be it would be better if that's not the case. But then like I that doesn't mean I like yeah experienced any kind of like political oppression in any means. Right. Yeah. So yeah, dude, yeah. I'm curious at all if um because I've experienced like in the last in my life <laughs> like having a hard time like realizing like oh man, so much of the world's uh problems come from uh like i am i'm adjacent to them yeah with my masculinity Mm -hmm. being adjacent to toxic masculinity and having some of that in myself yeah but also if for fear of hurting anyone sort of like not really paying attention to the male parts of me or something like that or or shaming anything male within me yeah at a time you know of just being like oh well, that's a pretty dude thing to think. <laughs> I can't I have that because it's some dude-ly. dudes are bad. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, so, have you basically? My question is: Have you ever? Have you had any uh, di- difficulty with other aspects, non-toxic parts of your masculinity? That's a good question, and and I think that it gets to the root of, you know, I like the words, I like the phrase toxic masculinity. I think it's really useful. Um, but what is, what does it actually mean? And what does non-toxic masculinity even mean? What does that look like? Right. I don't know. Um, and so I think that is a really interesting question that I think about a lot. Pants. Uh, yeah. (laughs) Pants. Pretty much. This is only pants in in front church. Yeah. So I, I mean, like, I don't know. I think, um, and I've heard people use the, the term alternative masculinities, but again, I don't know what that means. Um, right. And like, I, and I think that nobody actually does there's not really an answer to it right and the whole so i i yeah and so i like i see what i think about this too i don't know it's, yeah i have no idea and yeah. i like you know i i do i as much as i like have been you know i was i did like musical theater as a kid like i was definitely yeah. like a girly boy like right. for my whole life um, of course as much as that has been me it's like there are things about being uh, being male or or being masculine that I do identify with and I find right. to be like joyful and fun. Um, yeah. And so I don't know. And, and like maybe those things are actually, maybe they're just like outside my blinders and I can't actually see the ways in which they're harmful. It's right. possible. Um, but I think, but I think there are things about it where I have no fucking clue, man. <laughs> it's like really, the, I don't know, just talking out of my ass here, but I really no, don't I know. No, I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate that answer. I think my answer is like, I don't fucking know. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to figure it out. And It'd be weird if you did. Yeah, it yeah, it would, right? Like, I, you can't know, right? And then there, there yeah. is no answer. The answer is, right. is um, being formulated. I yeah. Think. And I think the answer is to do the work of trying to yeah. find the answer. I like that you use the word joyful too because yeah. that exploration can be very joyful. It doesn't have to be this like shameful sort of like No, it doesn't. And I I give that entirely to Rosie Tucker because she used that Woo! word to describe her exploration. So I Rosie I totally Tucker, stole man. it from her. Um the hero of the world. Yeah, she is such a hero. Um but it is. It is. It's a great word and it and it yeah. so does describe once cuz you know you talked about being adjacent or like holding an identity that, that is 
on the other end of the oppression table, right? Right. Which is where I come from too. And yeah. at first I felt a lot of guilt and shame around that. Yeah. But as I learned more and did more explorative, you know, just, just learned more and lived more. Yeah. Um, a lot of the guilt has fallen away. I don't, and, and, um, which maybe is bad. I don't know. I don't think mm-hmm. it is. Um, but I, I think that like ultimately, you know, I'm, I'm here. I can't be different than I am, you know? Oh, yeah. And, and, um, certainly you need to take ownership for uncovering the ways in which you do harm and change those things. Right. But if you're doing, you know, that's, that's, yeah, there's, it's not going to be different from, you're going to have to do that. Um, and there are a lot of things about the the process that are are deeply joyful, you know, particularly yeah. like uncovering like things about gender or ways of being that are more feminine or or um you know the, uncovering where homophobia is at like ultimately that's like a whole new range of desire and experience that, yeah. that you get to open up to yourself. Yeah. Which is like a a, a joyful thing. It's Man, it's supposed to be. Wonder what my dad would be. <laughs> Yeah, thinking I'm or how he would really, contribute to this conversation. I really like. I'm really wondering now about like me saying this on a like a public facing. No, podcast, no, no, no. I'm just, I'm just curious. I'm just thinking like it was just struck me as like generational. I guess I'm patting myself on the back. No, I'm just. <laughs> Are you kidding? Oh no, well, I was trying to think like uh, well, just generational. Like it would be maybe a lot more difficult to have this conversation. Yes, yeah, right. It is, and it's it's amazing how much stuff has changed in the past 10 years even you know it's like it's yeah. really which is dope as fuck yeah like, I'm, like, yeah. I'm here for that yeah um, yeah. yeah no but I hear you it's it's uh my dad's uh, a good guy and he is definitely trying but you definitely see people working within their own limits you know yeah you know and again it's like we all come to it where we're at and I don't I don't have an yeah. answer for that one that's like my, my kid will call me out on stuff probably you know? I hope, yeah. yeah I hope so Uruguay um, yeah oh yeah let's yeah let's <laughs> that was heady um I Uruguay. enjoyed it, but I'm Uruguay. curious about Uruguay. Yeah, man. Um, I went there. It's a it's a cool country. I spent three months there. So again, I think I think a lot of people, like particularly a lot of like rich white people, go to places and they're like, "Oh my god, it's so great! They just know how to live down there, you know, and just yeah. like, oh, the culture, it's so deep." And end up essentializing <laughs> the place and and sort of like um, fetishizing. Yeah, it. fetishizing is yeah. what I'm looking for. And so I try not to do that, right? Um, but um, I don't know. It was a wonderful experience. Uruguay is. Uh, it's cool, man. There, it's like a tiny country. It's three million people. Mm-hmm. Um, One point eight million live in the capital uh, city, and also they have twelve million cows. So that just tells right. you something about it right there. Um, but yeah, everyone I met there was just a joy. I mean, so nice to me. And mm-hmm. um, what prompted the? Yeah, good question. When I was a, when I was a kid, I actually spoke Spanish fluently. I learned Spanish alongside English because. Yeah. Um, I had a nanny, believe it or not, who spoke Spanish. So there's another little privilege right there. But um, yeah, so I learned Spanish Same. alongside English, but yeah. I lost it all. Um, yeah. When my mom got laid off, pretty much. And then, uh, so I, I did, yeah, I lost every word and had mm-hmm. been wanting to get it back forever. And um, randomly, somebody I work for has an office there. And I kind of realized, like, well, wait a minute, I could definitely go there. Yeah. And so I talked to my boss and was like, hey, uh, and he was like, yeah, that's the whole conversation. That's how it happened. Uh, and then I went down. Yeah. So I, I went down ostensibly to learn Spanish and that's the majority of what I did. I didn't do too much traveling. Mm-hmm. I just stayed in Montevideo for the most part. And I, I was studying Spanish like 10 hours a week. So I was like, and I was still working, right? So yeah. Like, pretty like 
dug in. What was your job down there? I yeah, I, I freelance as a as a content writer is my day job. It's very. It's, what does that mean? Uh, I write blogs basically. Yeah, yeah, I write blogs. That's and, cool. And web copy. It's cool. It's very flexible. It's like yeah, you know, I'm lucky to have it. Um, that's sick. It let me do this thing. Yeah. You know? What so, kind of stuff do you write? Uh, it's like tech and digital marketing stuff. It's like mm-hmm. you know, it's cool. It's what it is. You seem <laughs> like you don't think it's cool. Uh, it's not. I mean, I'm. <laughs> Yeah, I gotta be careful. I think it's cool <laughs> what I say in a in a this, but uh, it's yeah, it's good. It's a good. It works right. very well for me where I'm at. Um, it's it's been very. So you um, got to go to Uruguay. Yeah, right? right. I got to I get to do a bunch. Of That's shit. cool. Yeah. So how does that opportunity come up? If they're like, don't you have laptops everywhere? Like I gotta it's, get yeah on they, that Uruguay Wi-Fi. They do actually. It's pretty good. Um, I mean, it's a big city, so like any big city is gonna have. You're pretty set for the most part. Yeah. No, um, I mean, I guess what's your excuse for? being able to work anywhere oh i mean i'm remote i'm i'm not even a i'm not even an employee right i'm freelance so yeah i'm I'm an independent contractor to them i work remotely um if i have an internet connection it doesn't matter okay so So you're just doing that in uruguay yeah pretty much i was just doing the same thing in uruguay okay but i'm i like because your friend had the company there well one of my clients has an office there basically okay i say my boss but you got to work out of that office I work basically from home still. I would go to the office occasionally, but I, okay. I basically still work from home. I'm yeah. trying to figure out. You said like, oh, I can go to Uruguay Say a because bunch of, of things. my yeah, job. Yeah, right, right. But you my have job, this remote freelance right. job. I'm, I'm a remote fle- freelancer basically. And so what that means is so long as I turn in my shit on time, it doesn't really matter where I'm at or right. or what I'm doing aside from that. So because of that, because of that freedom, okay. I'm able to just like, you know, hop off down to another continent. Right. Which is like dope. Um, so you could have gone anywhere. Yeah, I could have gone anywhere, but okay. they have an office there. And so I knew people there. Right. Okay. And so like I was talking to to the team down there about it before I went and I was like, Mariana, I found this place to, to live. This is dope. Yeah. It's so cheap. And she's like, you are going to live somewhere else than there because you're not going to want to go home at night. Um, oh, okay. so like so it was had... like I had a connection down there and they like got it. showed me where to go and everything. So cool. was like, that was good. Now yeah. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. So Thank I, like, you for walking. I gave you a bunch of really that. evasive answers made no sense. No, no, no. I was just asking. I, I have was... this problem where I always think. Most of the, I th- I think I have a problem with like object permanence or something because I think that people know <laughs> things that I know. Often, like this has been an issue for me in in like my relationships with people is like thinking that they know something and it's like Austin, you never mentioned that to me. Why would you know? <laughs> this has caused problems now because you yeah. didn't communicate. I'm like, oh, I have a problem God. where I'm dumb. So. <laughs> I think it's, I think uh, what I just said is like a really <laughs> fancy way of saying I'm dumb. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah. I guess we're in the same boat there. Um, where are you at relationship wise these days? I'm I'm single, man. It's it's good. I I um was in a relationship for a long time. I was with uh, a girl for six and a half years. Yeah, and then I we remember. broke up in July, mm. pretty much last year. So almost a year ago. Um, and that was really great. I mean, it was very mutual, and and um, yeah, she's she's just a sweetheart, and and we were both very kind to each other through that process, and it was very um. We talked about it a lot over the course of a month or two, and it was just like very much it felt right. And really, yeah, no, it it was actually like it went as well as you could expect it to go. It was very much like yeah. a conversation, and we did it not because even things were going bad. It's just like you know we were together since seventeen, mm. like the whole fucking thing. So like at a certain point, it's like what are we doing? Um, and like at this point now, I don't know if I like I don't know how I feel about marriage, but but like several points to it is like you know. I don't think that I could I could commit to any kind of like marriage or really long term thing 
if I had only been with that one person for my whole life. Right. Just because as you, as you grow up with this person, you really construct your identity kind of in relationship to them. And mm-hmm. so I think we both, we talked about it a lot and, and had the desire to sort of like see what it's like to not be in that and to be on mm. your own for a while. Um, and so it was very much like a conscious, considered decision. Yeah. Was it hard? It was, it was hard. It was weird. It was hard in weird ways. It was, it's like, yeah, I think because it was such a mutual, like, and yeah, it was like very gradual for me. Like, I don't think it really hit me until like three months out. And then I was like, oh fuck. Yeah. (laughs) I'm anxious. Um, did you ever feel like, oh no, what did I do? I, I think I had a lot of those anxieties going into it. Yeah. Um, I think it was still the right thing to do. I yeah. think that you sound like two healthy people. Yeah, it was very much. That's what it felt like. Is like two, just a very healthy conversation the whole oh, way cool. through. Was, yeah, it was. I mean, like it's really like a beautiful thing in that way. Um, so yeah, it was, it was. It was good. It was healing. And I mean, like yeah, it's been. Um, yeah, I've learned. It's it's been good. You know. Yeah. yeah. Right uh, now, have I'm you just, been dating at all? Or I mean, occasionally, just, you know, yeah. like a Tinder date here and there. But uh, beyond that, I, I'm not focusing on it too much. It's just like I got a match on Tinder yesterday. Yeah, and then it was turns out it was like somebody that was inviting me to their show at the Mint. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I was like, please follow me on Instagram. Please, that's me depressing, Instagram. man. That's like I know, so dark. I hadn't gotten one. That's in a the while. most. So I was like, Woo! that's the most oh, music yeah. industry thing. It ever. was it's fucking like, hilarious, and I was also like damn that's genius <laughs> oh my god that's that's if only i was uh, tinder hot I yeah i have all the instagram tinder's hard man tinder's tinder's rough yeah it's rough out there um, there's a have you heard of this meet mindful app it's like a. I have it sounds <laughs> so bad it sounds so bad i'm on it. every single it's ridiculous is it it's i want to see the guy's profiles because i imagine every single guy has a road emoji in their profile <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is the type of thing that I'm so embarrassed that I'm on. <laughs> but, but it well, it's like on one level, I I like got on Tinder last year, and it's like yeah. Austin, it's 2017. What are you doing on Tinder? Right. Um, but I don't know. It's like I don't work in an office. Yeah. How do you fucking meet, do people? You meet people? Modern life for a lot of people is very isolating. You yeah. Know, we live totally. in. Car- compartmentalized little boxes yeah and you what don't you do ask your friends out yeah, yeah right that's weird and and it's like you can't just like go up to people because like fucking like it's 2018 and you shouldn't do that um you know people should be able to get coffee without getting assailed for dates all the time right um and so it's like on one level it's so weird and like kind of like this bizarre thing um and so i have a, i have like reservations about it that way on another level i, I actually kind of like it because it's by definition it's it's semi-consensual right it's like yeah anybody there is there clear. for one yeah for more, more or less the similar reasons at yeah, least right exactly. and you still have to find out what that is but right but i like, mean it's like oh like you're here because you you're looking for something you yeah. know right and it's like exactly. you if you like meet it's like you decided to yeah you know, and you so don't know like, in a other context it's yeah like, right in other con- uh, it's like if you go up to somebody at a bar that's like very like you're imposing and and maybe shouldn't be doing that you yeah know? and it's like they didn't consent to you bothering them at a bar. Maybe they just want to have a night with their friends. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or yeah. Tinder. It's like or right. Tinder. It's like okay. Well. We're yeah. All like, I do like that idea as well. Yeah. So it's yeah. like that's one thing I like about it. Um, but it's weird, and it's like yeah. I think everyone feels that to a certain or greater or lesser extent. It's like everyone does feel like, what am I doing on this? But, right. Yeah. You know, it's so it's so weird to me, like writing the Tinder profile information because you don't want to take it 
too seriously. So true. Just you want to show that you're somehow above it or something. You're like, I know this is ridiculous. But also, or at least I'll just speak in my experience. I don't know why I'm speaking. Like, you do this. I do this. But then I also, like, (laughs) don't want to. I also want to go on dates. Yeah, right. No, (laughs) it's true. It's like, oh, this is so silly. But But, anyway. But also. Anyways, I'm like pretty cool. So <laughs> yeah, that's like, actually you're, so rude. So you're like, like trying to make yourself look cool, but also like, I uh, I really not. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. I don't you have care to approach it with this like yeah. ironic, like <laughs> yeah, I don't care. But also, so dumb, if but you like, care, anyways. I care. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know if you care, but if you do, I care. Yeah, it's such a hilarious. It is a really uh, fucking thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird. For a while there, t- to epitomize the my Tinder bio for a while is just Tinder is fake news. Which ah, honestly is one of my favorites one. But yeah it's Dude I have to pee so bad BRB Yeah go for it Go for it Do I have to monologue You can just edit this out right I have to monologue That makes me so uncomfortable That's great I'm gonna turn the microphone Towards you I, uh, Monologuing is gonna be really hard We could just sort of continue That they can't hear you But I can Oh, Mackin's gone dark now. I didn't monologue. I'm sorry. I you I fucking know I you did, man. You. <laughs> Do you know how much you know how much money SoundCloud is gonna find me? You're right, dude. We're Probably burning like dead air right now. Fuck, Jesus. man. I know. I'm sorry. It's about content. Yeah. Do you not edit out the little spaces? I do. Okay. It depends. Yeah. It depends on the space. Depends on how long um, the space is. Yeah, I do. You know, every, every once in a while. Teach me the secret art of podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> you listen to podcasts. I do. Yeah. Yeah. We were yeah. talking about this a second ago. Mm. Which podcast did you say that you listen to? I listen to um, podcasts that. I, okay, so I listen to this great podcast called Another Round, which I really like. It's very funny. Um, there's a podcast called Pod Damn America, which is like leftist comedians and i find it funny and then mm-hmm. what's the another round what's that another one? round is is dope it's um it's these two women of color and they just they just talk about shit they're just really funny and have nice. really bubbly conversations they interviewed hillary clinton one time Whoa. that was really interesting nice. um but it's great it's a good like yeah it's like it's like candy with a little bit of politics yeah um it's really funny so i like that one um i've listened to a podcast called the dollop before which is okay um oh i hope they don't hear that but it's it's two it's two comedians telling history basically right i really like history um i'm a nerd and um i i gave a limited endorsement to to dan carlin's hardcore history yeah have you heard of this yeah well i'm i i've listened to a couple things that have been dope what's the limit i'm curious uh, it's great man history, yeah. basically. You know, right. so it's yeah, like exactly. very much Eurocentric great man. He says things that are like that was really not right. okay for you to say. So yeah, it's like totally. I don't like agree with all of it, but for sure he does a great job of telling the story. Yeah, I listened to the entire series on World War One. Yeah, that's fifteen hours of podcast. Yeah. on World War One. Yeah, and um, again, it's 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 great man history, but but it was fascinating because I'd never really studied World War One, right. and it's such a significant event for the development the history and sort of development of european culture um really 
just crazy and so in depth and he does a really good job of telling it as a narrative yeah and a suspenseful one and right it's like you know these people in the moment they didn't know how it was gonna go right and like germany was gonna win there for a second um, yeah which actually i have a contra- controversial opinion germany should have won world war one 20th century would have gone a lot better for europe if germany had won world war really one. yeah they, they what do you think about six months six weeks into the war that's they were the non-hitler one right yeah that's the thing everybody thinks and the i i didn't <laughs> see the yeah i didn't see that everybody thinks germany's just been hitler forever right, and it's yeah. like no they're right and so I, I didn't see the the wonder woman movie but apparently it takes place during world war one and germany is somehow nazis in world war one which is just not the case they're just mm. just like another country and um they and it's funny because Germany got so Germany got penned with pegged with all of the guilt at the end of the war. They were blamed entirely for the war and had to pay really gnarly reparations, and it sent them into this whole economic spiral that really created the conditions for Hitler to rise to power. Uh, um, and have you seen there was a weekend update uh, monologue that Seth Meyers had mm-hmm. where he was like. Uh, like this weekend, like Germany just like finished paying off all the reparations for <laughs> World War One. Like said Germany, all right, that's done. Oh, thank God. Now what? Oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the other one. Ah shit. Yeah. yeah, no, it's true. It's true. Um, but that's so World War. The, the fact that they got pegged with all of the blame. Well, it's dumb because they got pegged with the blame because they fired the first shot, and and it's really unfortunate because. Um, or, and again, I mean, I've only really listened to, to Dan Cron's podcast, so right. I mean, maybe he's wrong. But but the way he tells it is like um, everyone in Europe knew that a war was coming. There had not been a major war between all the European powers for almost 100 years since the Napoleonic Wars. And, um, you know, Otto von Bismarck created this very complicated system of alliances and treaties that kept the peace. And then he died. Uh, and he was really good at managing that machine. But right. his, his successor did not know how to do that and so it all starts to fall apart and tensions build and it's like everybody knows it's coming it's just like who's gonna light the match right right um and germany was in a really gnarly position because um they kept they keep talking about encirclement or entrapment um and they but they were i mean they had on one side they have france and on another side, they have Russia, and it's like they understood that they could not win both of the against both of those powers. They can't win a two fronted war, um, and they're worried about it because Germany at this point has existed for like forty years. You know, they haven't been around that long, and so if they lose, it's potential that their entire state would be, you know, carved up between France and Russia. And so they're very worried about that. It's reasonable, um, and they realize, okay, Russia has always been notorious for being very slow to mobilize um really big powerful army but really slow to get going um and so germany basically they came up with a plan where like okay if we throw everything at france and knock them out of the fight then we can just turn around and we can beat russia because they won't be able to hit us by the time that happens right Right. and so because of the position that germany was in and no other power was in that position they kind of had to start it because otherwise they might be destroyed. They would cease to exist as a, as a nation. Um, problem being they have to get through to get to France. They have to go through Belgium and they were like, Hey, King of Belgium, you want to just, just chill. It's going to be fine. Just let us march through. We're not, we just want France just, and he's like, fuck off. Um, and so Belgium tries to fight Germany and, and it's like, Forts were really important in war before World War One because if you had a fort, it was very hard to take 
you know, the best you could do was cannons and like, it's a, it's a metal ball, you know, it'll poke a hole, but it won't do that much. And so Belgium has some forts and they're like, you know, launching their defense. They're attacking the German army and the, the German army before world war one, there's a scene in the podcast where he talks about how in a town, somebody went out to see the German army marching through and it's these columns of, of infantry marching. And, you know, they go out and they stand there for like an hour and they're like, okay, I'm going to go home now. And then they come back a couple hours later and it's just still, going just like a line mm. of people and literally it took 24 hours for the german line to get through a point it's an army like two million people crazy the other thing is the previous conflict that had involved artillery was basically napoleon's time and so the biggest guns at that point weighed 10 to twelve thousand pounds these cannon when germany fights with belgium they are setting up guns that weigh a hundred thousand pounds Whoa. so the difference and you know the opening battle of the war is belgium you know putting up a defiant defense and literally just germany launches like three shells and just demolishes the entire it's just like slaughter and that that's bad i mean like one it's it's horribly cruel and you know it's like but you were psyched because you wanted germany to win no <laughs> no i was really not i promise <laughs> the reason i wanted germany to win is because, you hate belgium is basically yeah i hate belgium i hate all belgium you can't people. read and you hate belgium. yeah i can't i've never read a book well I hate yeah belgium. i heard it here first yeah everybody <laughs> this is me austin smith uh just so you know failure that's that's me um what should we talk about i want to talk about failures. i was looking this is that was... so typical of me is like i'll go somewhere to talk about something and then i'll be like oh but have you heard about <laughs> Belgium? world war one the military well, history well that's why it's partially my job well you know, you know. I'm, a, I'm also very good at distracting people <laughs> that's one of my great many skills well i'm curious i'm curious about all the things yeah you're talking about, but obviously i want to hear about your artist project yeah man, man. um your, your music is incredible thank you it's man. really man, really great you. so yeah. is yours yeah um, thanks man thanks i've heard yeah. you making different kinds of music for a while yeah i've really made a lot of yes that is what it feels like um as, so as you feel that way as well yes i do it That's very sick. much felt like i was like searching for um a vocabulary right for all of college and i wrote like a bunch of songs and they all were not related to each other at all and mm -hmm. it's just like what do i do with this um and then now it feels like with this project it really is like okay your voice this is what this is what's up this is yeah. what i want to put out yeah which is great which Hell is yeah. really good um, nice man are you yeah. producing this stuff yeah yeah it's Dude. all so I made Production's it all. incredible. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Oh, it's super fucking cool, man. So many hours into those fucking songs. Dude, it's um, like, it's, I mean, I've only heard the three that are yeah, on right, uh, right, Spotify, exactly. yeah. but it's, it's got this like, uh, this sensitivity and sort of like Sufjan vibe. And then it has this sort of like James Blakey R&B type thing. Yeah. And then, you know, we're bo both of us are big, uh, Jeff Buckley fans, yes. and I hear that in there, but, it, but it's, it's, it's signature. You Thank know? you, and yeah. It feels very cohesive, I and I was that. like, oh, this is cool. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, that's all stuff I was really trying to make happen, so it's good to hear yeah. that it's received that way. It feels really cool, and it feels like, like all the colors and sounds are so uh, interesting and Thank sort you. of dark, but, but it feels like pop as well. Yeah, it is, I'm, and it's, it, you're, this is great, because when I, this project started very much from a concept. Um, right. And these are all things that I thought a lot about and wanted to incorporate into the concept. So it's like yeah. you're just like confirming all my oh, hypotheses. Crushing here, it, so man. That's great. When does this process start? When does this like um, an em start to crystallize? An embarrassingly long time ago, pretty much. Um, I, like the summer before my senior year, I had this idea where I wanted to record an EP that was um, four tracks and I wanted to get a four track tape recorder 
um, and have two of the tracks be vocals and two of the tracks be guitars. And I wanted to play with having um, the melody and counter melodies like work off each other and and do this thing where it's not just a melody and harmony, but it's like two voices that have sort of melodic dialogue within the structure of sort of a quasi-conventional folk song. Right. And so I bought um, a tape recorder and it was broken and I did not have the money to buy another one. So that quickly went out the door. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, oh. you know what? I have logic. Um, and yeah, so then yeah, I just, yeah. I, I wrote, recorded one song that was just like a bunch of guitars and a bunch of voices. And I was like, Hey, that's neat. Um, and then, and then I made, where's the broken tape recorder at this point sitting in the closet? I gave it garbage? to somebody. I yeah. gave it to, um, Oh my God. Nick, what is his last name? Oh, I I'm think in- I, tall Nick. Yes. With glasses? Yes. Plays the drums? I, yeah, I think. Okay. What's his last name? Warsaka? What? I think nope. we're thinking different. <laughs> I don't... Uh, that might just be conflating last names of Nick. Yeah, I don't know. But I gave it to... I'm embarrassed. I'm so bad with names, Mac, and it's really an issue in my life. Um, but right, I gave it to somebody who wanted to make a tape to lay out of it, basically. Right. And I was like, good luck. Um, yeah. So that's long dead. Um, but then, basically, I made one track where I was like... Huh. It's like I'm on the hunt, and then I took Sean Holt's production class, yeah, and learned how Pro Tools works. Right. And then I made Ruse for my senior project, which was like a test case for the idea. And at the time, Ruse being a project or a song, Ruse being a song, which is coming out next week, actually. Ooh, so it's the last single to drop, and the least singly single, but it's the last one to drop. Uh, so it's like the first thing I made for this project, but the last single I'm putting out. But it basically is like I wanted to play with the boundary between acoustic and electronic instruments right um which now is like obvious to everyone um but when i first started thinking about it, it was not quite as obvious um so i'm yeah i made that in school and like oh my god at that point in my life i is second se- semester senior year which was supposed to be super chill but then all yeah. of a sudden i had a full course load two two jobs the same clients but like two jobs effectively yeah and like had small shelter still basically and right your and, previous band. yeah the previous band the what York. was the situation there like was that your sort of like were you pioneering that artistically i would say i came in with songs and they were all really nice to me and they made the song sound good mm-hmm. um and so like i wrote the songs but i but they did the arrangements i didn't like okay. write their parts out um yeah and they they were uh, i love i love those people um so yeah so i had that still we were still rehearsing and you know, then basically just like a bunch of shit. So very literally I was like doing like 70 or 80 hour weeks and, but I wanted to make this new song. Right. And so I lived in scum mansion at the time. So a house with a bunch of other people. And I actually had a roommate in my room. I roomed with Mike Harper. Um, and so very literally the only time that I could record because I couldn't, the only time I had to record for the most part was between 12 midnight and 8am basically. But I couldn't do that in the house because everyone's asleep. So right. what I would do is I would pack up because I had a little Scarlet Two Eye with yeah. my gear, and then a little B One microphone and uh, a guitar and like you know laptop and whatever. So I would pack up my gear into my backpack and put it in my bike um, basket, and I would have my guitar on my back, and then I would pick up my mic stand and like balance it on the the handlebar like a lance (laughs) and i would bike to campus and i would go to the little chapel of silence do you know that very familiar with the little chapel of silence favorite i've talked about it on this podcast i'm so happy to hear that because it is like the best thing about oh yeah it is absolutely like truth 
everyone should go, although they shouldn't because I don't want everyone to find out about it because yeah. it's so, but um, yeah, so I would literally go there at like two in the morning and like record vocals and the two vocals, the vocals that ended up being on the track were actually the demo vocals. So I love when that happens. I know it's like my favorite thing and, and the guitar is too. incredibly cool yeah. because you're like, that's like an adventure. And you're yeah, like right, cool, right. And it's fuck, like very, so this deep personal. Yeah, totally. So um, fuck, that's cool. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a, um, it was, I look back on it very fondly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I did that basically. That was, that was, um, a lot. I didn't sleep a lot, but, but it was, it was cool. And it was, um, very, I mean like it's such a, you know, the, the space for people who maybe don't know it. It's, um, just this tiny little stone chapel on USC's campus. It's like non-denominational and it's really pretty. And, um, just like just some pews. Yeah, just some yeah. pews. It can't be more than than 15 or 20 feet long. Yeah. Um, but a nice lovely high ceilings. Yeah, and... beautiful high ceilings, nice natural reverb. Yeah. Um yeah, I'm such an asshole. Um no, you're not. <laughs> But yeah, you I would go there at like 2 and it's like, you know, it's so quiet. It's like yeah. such a silent space. Did you ever write in the book? I think Did I you wrote ever in see the, the book. book? I, yeah, I looked through the book yeah. constantly. There was this wonderful almost like guest book type yeah yeah where it. people would write like their prayers basically. yeah some people write prayers some people there were some people there was like diaries stuff some, yeah. some stuff was heavy some, some stuff, stuff was, was super heavy yeah some stuff was incredibly heavy and some stuff was incredibly light and just yeah. drawn dicks <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, you always have that yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Like, no matter how sacred fucking dicks and then this one guy just being like i just love her so much and i'll never see her again oh my god <laughs> penis no 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 <laughs> penis and somebody would be like my life is falling apart but it was, it was so much humanity yeah. yeah no it was and yeah. it's like such a sacred thing to like read somebody's like yeah. deepest like that was really yeah and i never ended up doing this but they keep the in the office of religious life they keep old prayer books oh uh, and so sure. this is a bad story because rosie and i never did this but rosie and i wanted to go and check yeah. those out and like look through them but mm, yeah that's really special sick. little place yeah. yeah deep significance yeah. for me senior year i'm glad that you are another, another yeah. disciple of the, the love little the, chapel the love i also love that it's called the little chapel of yeah, silence it's like, so cute it's fucking great yeah great spot yeah so i went there i spent a lot of time there nice um but yeah so i guess i, I brought that up because that's where i recorded the the sort of test track for this uh -huh. whole project and so i was like oh cool i this i think this could be good and so then yeah. i do you remember like what you were listening to at the time oh i was listening to um basically carrie and lowell just without stopping it um i was listening to you know and it's funny like Sufjan and James Blake are like my two biggest influences for this project without question. And both sick. That time I was listening to Carrie and Lowell and I was listening to The Color and Anything, basically. Yeah. Um, two incredible albums. Two of my favorite albums in, ever. Um, yeah, so I was listening to a lot of that, pretty much. Um, and it came out, obviously. Yeah. So, yeah, that's good. And then after that, I, I graduated school and I packed up and went to Georgia for like six months. Whoa. Yeah. This I did not know. That's where I actually made the majority of this stuff. What happened? What's in Georgia? So my grandparents used to live out there yeah. in northern Georgia. And then um, they have both passed away, but my family has not sold the house yet. So it's like there. And I'm like, you know what? I could go there. Whoa. And so I packed up all my gear and I drove over there. Yeah. And spent like six months out there with my friend. Um, and set up a little shitty studio in the master bedroom, and Whoa. it was great. And I made a bunch of songs. Yeah, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I'm basically just trying to be Justin Vernon, but that's awesome. No, no it's yeah, it was an incredible cool. experience. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like I think we're all trying to have the Justin Vernon. Yeah, experience. right. So I, yeah. I, so I mean, like it's like I can't. That's awesome. It was so wonderful. Was it weird because your grandparents had passed? I'm sorry. No, you lost no, your no, uh, it's, no. It's it's fine. My grandfather died many years ago, and then yeah. my grandmother um, 
pass away in a really as as well as you could ask right. for. Um, Did you like spend time with them in that house at all? Like, spent a lot that... of time. I would go there like every year as a kid. Okay, and so I I had I knew the house very well. I mean, I it's one of the places right. I grew up. You know. Yeah. Um. And it was, I mean, it's a little, it's just like a big house out in like the woods of Northern Georgia. It's dark right. at night, like it was a little freaky, but, but, um, no, it wasn't weird. It was, it was like, um, uh, it was, who did you convince to come with you? My friend, Mark, who, um, my dear friend, Mark, who, uh, I've been friends with since yeah. we were like 12. Nice. What was he up to when you were there? He had also just graduated school. Um, and he is a poet. So he helped me a lot with the music, um, and he made a bunch of poetry out there that was all really, really, really talented. Yeah. You should follow him. Poet, um, American Dreams LLC on Instagram. That's his mm. handle. He makes wonderful work. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we like we were out there in the woods for five months making art, doing That's weird shit. Great. Yeah. Going on the roof. How far away was the store? Uh, about 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. It was. It was great. And so it's like, like I'm going to the store. It's like yeah. I'm going to go into town. Is, yeah. is the, what you would say. So yeah. we definitely had that kind of experience. Yeah. That's like a very. Is there like a restaurant in town at all? There were restaurants. It's a tourist town. It's like okay. a small tourist. The year-round population is probably like two or three thousand. Yeah. And the year-round population is very poor. Um, yeah. But there is like a tourist thing going there. Is there TV, internet. Uh, yeah. We. We. Yeah. No. We. I, it, yeah. I was not living out like with nothing. We had. Right. We had like semi-functional AC. We had. Yeah. Um, TV, I had Wi-Fi and shit, so like we were like fine. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's good. Fucking great. Out in the middle of um, it's like you step off of the property and you're in the yeah. Chattahoochee National Forest. It's like really beautiful out there. That's great. Yeah, I was. I mean, like I can't. Just, what were your days like there? I would wake up and I would um, write blogs for the first part of the day. Yeah, and then I would go make music for the rest. And or in some days I would just write blogs, and some days I would just write music. But it's just like you know, really idyllic, like. Incredible. Yeah, it was really great. <laughs> I'm not gonna. Yeah. It's like really like I'm totally very lucky to have been able to do it. There are know? times when I tell myself that I can recreate those conditions in my just day to day life, and I'm like, "Well, do you need a cabin in the woods? Like, it's, I have time. I like, and it's like and sometimes you can, but I, there's I something magical about it. Thing I don't know. It's weird because, um, like, if you just think about it on a level of hours, it's like, yeah, you can. Yeah, like you should ostensibly there are hours in the day to do it. Right. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> somehow it doesn't happen, you know. Yeah, and so well, it's, something about the pilgrimage too. Like you were like, yeah, I'm going to Georgia. Yeah, right. Fucking make these songs. and changing the space, and I mean, also having a space to make yeah. music where it's like there's no one you're gonna wake up. Right. You know? Yeah. That's yeah. Like really. Yeah. Deep privilege totally. to do that. Um. So yeah, I I because I'm the same way. I'm like, I theoretically there's not much that has changed between my situation now and then, but like I'm I'm much I was much more. I don't know. It's, there is something to. And I mean, like for me, that was like such a pivotal period. I mean, I just graduated and like you driving across the country for like five days and like driving across the American West. Yeah. Oh my God. Like some of the most dramatic landscapes on the planet. Yeah. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah. So there's like something magical about it, which is as much as it's like it should be the case. It's very hard to recreate that. Yeah. You know, that's so cool, man. Thanks. Fuck yeah. 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 I'm lucky. It's great. So what happened when you came back from Georgia? Came back from Georgia and kind of like hung around LA for a while, kind of mm-hmm. like laid low intentionally. Um, finished up the songs for the most part. I took a long time finishing the songs, which I now think I should have gone faster. But what are you gonna do? Um, That's the beauty of anonymity, you know. Yeah, right. You haven't yeah. put anything out. It does. And my thinking was like, it doesn't matter when you put. It, it's just like you need to make it as good as it can be. Yeah. And I ended up making a lot of changes. Um, but yeah, so I, I recorded. 
whatever I didn't like the demo vocal of I re-recorded in Purple Studio at USC with yeah Michael Armstrong yeah uh, vocal engineering me um, so I did that and just kind of hung out in LA for a few months sporadically went to um, aware meetings yeah and then um, hopped off to Uruguay yeah yeah man that's incredible it was, yeah it was good I mean like I'm I'm like amazed that I got to do it yeah. all it's like very like lucky to be able to do that so. have you performed at all this music pretty much no um yeah working on it right now actually i'm working because that's one thing i was curious about yeah when i was listening to it i was like oh how i wonder what a live show yeah would be like. it's a challenge um yeah. and i think james blake and sufjan stevens are both such geniuses at doing that yeah, yeah it's so cool to watch them interpret the recorded mm-hmm. material in a live way and have it feel natural and cool and yeah have you ever sense. seen james blake live I have. I had the the pleasure of seeing him open for Bon Iver. Um, Shut up. At, uh, <laughs> oh my yeah, God. at uh, Beach God. I'm which gonna is die by where I'm from. Wow, and, where are you uh, from? I'm from Huntington Beach, California. I did not know. So it's like Huntington Beach Coast. Yeah. You know, like the Observatory. Yeah, like, yeah I know this spot. I've gone, Yeah, I've seen lots of shows. This there. is where I hail from. Wow, um, I did not know this. Beach God. I literally just went for them. Uh-huh. Like, not a fan. Er, I don't. It's cool that there's like something happening there, but it was just yeah. like. It's like a whole thing, and I'm just like, I would drive. This is exhausting. Across the state to yeah. see the show. Yeah. <laughs> so it was great. The craziest thing, though, is that James Blake sang Forest Fire, and Justin Vernon was like, right. Backstage. And I was like, dude, come out. He didn't come out. He didn't oh, come out. Oh, that's so disappointing. I was like, what? He started oh. playing the song, and I was like, here he comes. You're on next. Come yeah. on. <laughs> I was like, what's going on? Oh, um, that's terrible. But it was incredible. Yeah. They, they, they were both. Uh, they're both great. Yeah. Um, I've yeah. never seen Bunny Rare, I would but like James Blake, I, the two times I've seen him, it's like a religious experience. It's yeah. Just like, yeah. And you know, I, you know, we never got to see Jeff Buckley perform and there was a, there was a, there was something about that performance and seeing him sort of like with that, you know, dramatic, incredible voice. I was yeah. just like, this is maybe a little bit what it felt like to see Jeff Buckley. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, you know, there's certainly a through line there. Um, yeah. In terms of like musical histories, it's like, I think, I think Jeff uh, and, and Jeff borrowing from Nina Simone and a lot of other people, but, but um, the, I mean, the things that man did with his falsetto is just like, yeah. Oh, oh it's fucked up. Yeah. So it was cool as a Jeff Buckley fan to be like, Oh, this is maybe what it feels like to witness something like that. But also, James Blake, doing you know, James Blake. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so sick. I I put my cards behind that guy, man. I, yeah, he like, Ooh. yeah. I I'm glad I got to see him. It was like, yeah. You just can't. It's like, I, it's a it's audio, so no one's gonna be able to. Yeah. But it's just like everyone in the audience is just like their head is just like yeah. a slave to the kick drum, just like. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, because and I I have not seen a lot of electronic music live, mm-hmm. but. Uh, you know, he's not playing to tracks and so his, yeah. his music is so heavily produced yeah. and synthesized and it's like... It's amazing how much he can put on the stage. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's just so crazy to have those soundscapes and, and also have the energy of... Of a totally live, like yeah. pretty much entirely live show. Yeah. yeah. Which is sick. So yeah. That was great. It's dope. And so. I, have you seen Sufjan Stevens? No, I've never seen Sufjan. Oh, man. Makes me very sad, yeah. So I'm at uh, Outside Lands Ugh. and... Uh, it's great. I didn't. I expected the the. I thought it was gonna be like a heartbreaking, sad folk thing. Yeah. And I was like, I'm ready for that. Yeah. You know? Right. And then comes out in the angel wings and the neon, Ugh. smashes a banjo after the first song, and then like totally 
has reinterpreted all of the Carrie and Lowell songs. Yeah, and dude. And it becomes this like Paul Simon, Justin Timberlake thing mm-hmm. meets Flaming Lips. And I'm like, what? Yeah. This is awesome. The live album's amazing. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So it was wild. That's I did not expect you know. Yeah, he's crazy. You know. He's so smart. He's great. Yeah, man. Dude, thanks so much for being on my podcast. Dude, thanks for having me on your oh, podcast. Oh, wait. I had one more question. Yeah. What's uh What's next, man? Yeah, Jesus, you I just like, finished the thing. I get on a tangent about <laughs> like World War Two for like three hours, and then like, <laughs> and we're oh yeah, I make music too. I guess I don't know. Um, what uh, What's next in in for the project? For your project, and also for your life, like you just finished this campaign. Yeah. And good like, question. I'm definitely. I don't fucking know, man. Um, you know, um, I'm gonna put out the rest of the music. Yeah soon how much more is coming not much just uh i mean tons listen to it um uh one more single yeah and then i'm gonna put out the ep a few weeks after that probably Ooh. and then, i mean it's a six song ep and right. four songs will be out so it's like you know yeah but i like the other two songs yeah um yeah and then i'm also working on uh like a zine thing yeah. along with it i'm getting a bunch of my friends who make visual art and and words to help me and lend me their genius so yeah so i'm gonna do that um, and that'll come out over the next, probably within the next like four weeks or five weeks. Hell yeah. I have to make the thing, which I have not done. So yeah, that's <laughs> an issue. Um, yeah. So that, and then, um, I don't know. I mean like I have new songs, but they're not done. Um, yeah. And I like, yeah, I'm, I'm very torn. I might, I might leave yeah. Los Angeles again. Um, yeah. am either going to go, I don't know. Part of me wants to go back to South America. Yeah. I might go to Tucson. Eventually, I'm probably gonna go to New York. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Man. Yeah, I, I like literally <laughs> Adventure. like my life cool. started again on yesterday. So right, I'm like, oh. yeah. Oh my god. Are oh, s- also, I didn't mention this, but the camp we kicked ass in the campaign. Our goal was ten thousand. We got eighteen thousand signatures. Oh! Hey, yeah, very That's exciting. Rad. I was yeah. bawling. Um, That's it was, great. Yeah, it's great. It's That's awesome. Yeah. Are you someone that is? inspired by a sort of like blank space in your life or crushed by it or both i would say i i like having it yeah, yeah. i would say i like having it i tend to take it away from myself but i like having right it. Yeah. yeah yeah dude austin you're the realist uh, Megan, really you're appreciate the realist. You. this was such a great dude thank you're you good so at much this thing that thanks, you do man yeah it's fun it's fun to yeah do it. it's good it's a good conversation yeah. well thanks a lot man i appreciate yeah, thank it thank you Megan.
I think I'm in this for the wrong reason.